Rhythm is a series that we did a while back at Uncommon Youth Church, and uh, rhythm is a strong, regular, repeated pattern, a strong, regular, repeated pattern. And so as we think about our lives and we think about all the patterns and different molds that we maybe fit into in the context of our job or uh, school uh, or team maybe that we're on or uh, a certain class that we have, I mean, we're expected to fit into a certain mold, a certain rhythm, if you will. All of us have different rhythms and patterns of our lives. It's the things that are important to us. It's the things that we focus on the most. We, uh, on a regular and consistent basis, we put our time, energy, effort, and place our priorities on certain things. And there are some people who their rhythm is different than your rhythm. There are some people who every single day they wake up and the first thing they do is check their calendar. They make sure they have everything on their to-do list that they're going to accomplish that day. Other people, they wake up and all they want to do is go back to sleep. They have no plan. They have no direction. They don't have anything to do that day in particular. They just want to hang out. Anybody know anybody like that? Yeah, I hate those people. I absolutely can't stand those people. All right, so sorry. Uh, But we all have different patterns and rhythms that we uh, fit into. And the pattern and rhythm of our life or the, the regular repeated pattern that we follow, that makes us who we are. In fact, the the regular pattern that we follow today will determine the story that we tell tomorrow. Our decisions that we make today will determine what we will tell of ourselves tomorrow. The things that we decide to do today will ultimately land us where we are in a week from now, in a month from now, in a year from now, because we are the total sum of all of the decisions that we make. And so we see that the pattern, the regular routine, the rhythm of our life, the over and over, the things that we continually put our effort and priorities and time toward are the things that will define us and make us who we are. And so today we're, we're talking about how the rhythm of life are made of the moments, the relationship, and the walk. The rhythm of life are made of the, the decisions, I'm sorry, the moments, the relationships, and the walk. I want you to think about uh, in your mind moments that you've had in your life. Some of you remember that, that moment when you saw her uh, open the back doors of the sanctuary and you were standing there in your tux and the preacher was here and she was there and you remember the moment, the first time you saw her. For me, I actually remember the very first time that I saw my wife, Mindy, in seventh grade. She was wearing a dark blue dress with light blue flowers. We met in middle school and I loved her ever since. And So I remember that moment very clearly. Some of you remember that time when you were able to pull the tassel from this side of your hat to this side and you graduated high school. Some of you uh, sitting right here, you're just hoping that maybe by chance you might happen to be able to have that time when you can pass the tassel from this side to that side. We remember certain moments in our life. When we look at relationships and the rhythm of our life, uh, aren't we all surrounded by people on a regular basis, right? Like we all have people in our life. I want you to think back to that time when you did that thing, you know, that one thing that you don't want anybody to know about, except for the people that were with you. Because chances are when you did that thing, you weren't alone. Chances are when that happened, you weren't alone. Or maybe some of you think about a time in your life when uh, you were going through a very difficult circumstance and you made it through by the grace of God and by the support of those around you who helped carry you through, who sent you flowers, who wrote you an encouraging word, who left you a note, who made the phone call, who sent the text, those people who walked through life with you. It's the relationships that matter. And then the walk. Who am I following on my walk? I can follow my feelings. 
I can follow what I think makes me happy. I can follow the fact that I really want to advance on the career ladder. I can follow the fact that I really just really want to please my parents above all else. I I really want some affirmation from everybody else. So I'm going to make sure that I post my best version of myself on Instagram, Facebook, social media, Snap, all the different things right there, right? You want to get that value from other people. We can often walk and we can follow the wrong things. But the rhythm of life that leads to full and abundant life, the the rhythm that we can set for our lives in this room, the rhythm that we can set to be passed down to another generation that revolve around the moments with God, not just moments that change our life and, and we recall those moments and maybe we could write them down. Here's the top 10 moments of my life, but the moments that we encounter, the moments that we experience day by day, minute by minute, maybe even second by second. Do we have a life that is defined by living with God? Do we have relationships in our life that really matter, that go beyond just knowing someone's name, but we know their life and we walk with them through life? Do we have the character? Do we have the the, uh, power that we can receive from our moments with God, from our relationships with others? Do Do we have it where it can carry us through to follow God wherever He takes us, even if it's beyond borders like we sang about? Even if it's beyond, man... I'm not sure about this, but I will trust you with faith that goes beyond borders. I will trust you with things that I cannot see. It's the, it's the rhythm of life that's made up of the moments with God, the relationships with one another, and the walk as we follow Him. This rhythm, it's made of the moments, the relationships, and the walk. It's something that we talk about all the time in UIC. We have these bands that say this that we wear. We have these uh, buttons that we put on our backpacks and our shirts and uh, have it on stickers in our bedrooms. And we have this, this mantra that we want to become the rhythm of our life. That we know our rhythm, our regular, our strong, regular, repeated pattern will be about having moments with God. Deep, meaningful, intimate relationships with others as God intended. And we will walk and follow Jesus wherever He leads us. It's the moments, it's the relationship, it's the walk. We see in John chapter 10, Jesus is talking to a group of religious people. He's talking to people who knew the Bible. They knew what the prophets of old have told about. They knew these things better than anyone, and yet he's trying to communicate to them an idea. He's trying to communicate to them more than just head knowledge, but an actual way of living. He's trying to communicate to them a rhythm of life. And so he's talking to these people called the Pharisees, who are the religious leaders of the time. And he says this, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who who does not enter the sheep's pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. It's not me. There are people who try to get into our life. The culture tries to get into our life. There are pressures around us that try to keep us from the true shepherd, which Jesus is about to tell us is actually him. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep Listen to his voice. The sheep listen to his voice. How do my kids, ages five, three, two, and ten months, how do they know 
when their daddy is speaking? How does my, even my 10-month-old little boy, Jace, how does he know that daddy's talking and he turns around when I walk into a room and he hears me talking? Because he knows me. He knows his dad's voice. That's my daddy talking. He knows me. And he knows that I know him. The sheep are listening. They're listening for when it's time to go. They're listening for when their shepherd shows up. They're listening for his voice. And we see the first rhythm here. It's a moment in time. It's a moment when the shepherd comes in. Not the ones who try to climb over. Not the, not the culture. Not the pressures. Not everything else that's trying to uh, infuse their, their pattern and their rhythm onto us. But this is a moment when the shepherd shows up and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep. That means he sets them apart. He sets them out. I mean, there may be a bunch of other animals out here. There may be a bunch of people or a bunch of animals on this farm here. But in this pen, these are my sheep. These are set apart ones. These are different. So we hear his voice. We are set apart in relationships with one another. And finally, we see Now, when he uh, has brought all all to his own, he goes out ahead of him and his sheep do what? His sheep do what? Not a trick question. It's on the screen. I'll put it there for you. We follow him. In other words, the rhythm of our life is that we hear his voice. We seek out for our shepherd. We have moments with God. We are called apart. We are set apart. Our relationships with one another, they look different. We are part of a family. We are part of a body. We are part of a community that Jesus has set apart, not to operate under the kingdom and the system of this world, but rather to operate under the kingdom of his plan and his desires and his purpose and his will under his love because he has called us and saved us all. He has adopted us into his family that we may be called the sons and daughters of God. We are joint heirs with him. We are brothers and sisters. We are family. It's the relationships. We are set out. We hear his voice. We are set out. And then we follow him wherever he may lead. We follow him wherever he may lead. The rhythm of life is made of moments, the relationships, and the walk. Let me ask a question of you, and it's a question that I ask myself. Is the rhythm of my life one worth repeating? Is the rhythm of my life that I'm setting out before those behind me? Is the rhythm of my life for my kids to watch? Is it one that I want them to repeat? I mean, it's my strong, regular, repeated pattern. It's my rhythm. But my kids are watching my rhythm. Your kids are watching your rhythm. Older person in this room, you can decide if you're old or not. You have, you have people younger than you that are looking ahead. They're watching how you live your life. They're watching how you do your moments. They're watching if you are a true God seeker. They're watching your relationships. They're watching how you speak about people when they're not around. They're watching how you encourage people when they need a help up. They're watching how you invest into people and give generously to them when you have something that you can do to help them. They're watching you. There are onlookers that are watching you. They're watching the strong, regular, repeated pattern of your life. They're watching the rhythm of your life. 
And whether we like it or not, the rhythm that we set will be repeated. Think about all the rhythms that have been set for you. Maybe it's in your job and your bosses set this rhythm really high, this strong, regular, repeated pattern. They're expecting you to live up to it. And sometimes you feel like you hit it and sometimes you don't, but you're in a system. You're in a, you're in a, a pattern and an environment that's set there that has been set before you. Some of you, you think about your parents and you think about the rhythm of your family. I mean, what is most important in your family? I mean, maybe some of you, you have a really, really smart kid and it's like you want to do everything you can. You make them study for several hours a night. They're getting into every extracurricular activity that they possibly can. And you push them to do that because after all, we want to raise well-rounded, smart, successful, healthy kids, right? And so we push them to go to that and they're very smart and you were really hoping that they'll be the, the student of the year. Maybe you have a really dumb kid and you're, uh, you, you just really want them to actually be able to beat up the kid who's really, really smart student of the year, right? So I don't know what your goals are. Everybody's got a different system in their house. But what is the rhythm of your house? I mean, if you look at your house, maybe even in the last seven days, if you think about your home, if you think about the things that you prioritize, what would people looking at you say, these people are really passionate about fill in the blank. I can tell what's really important to this family is this. I can tell by the way they interact with each other that this is really important to them. Could our rhythm be not just to become about moments and experiences? Experiences are great. We want to take our kids on the amazing vacation. And so we work really, really hard and we work lots of extra hours. And in the meantime, our kids are actually just wanting relationship with us. But in the name of giving them a great experience, we we work all the time and we're disengaged and we're checked out and we're not really at home when we're at home and and we live for that, that moment of that experience when we can all arrive and walk into Disney World. What if instead our kids would say about us, those who look into our lives from a distance maybe, could say about us, man, it's really, really clear that they seek God. I mean, I see the way they make decisions and they don't make one until they pray about it first. I see the way they spend their time. Man, and there's, <laughs> seems like they're at church every single Sunday. I know we have vacations. We miss a few Sundays a year. I, I get it, okay? It's, I'm, I'm not down on this, but can I just tell you if you're a parent in this room, if you live in a house where something else always trumps church, oh, we're too tired. We had a late night, all the games on. Oh, well, we want to go out of town again and again and again and again. Oh, well, it, it, if, ever, if you have things in your home that constantly trump church, but there's nothing that church trumps, you're setting a pattern for your family and in your home. We can't expect church and gathering together and investing into the relationships with one another and prioritizing moments with God. We can't expect our kids to do that if the pattern that we're setting is something different. We've got to become about the moments with God. Things change. <laughs> I get it. This morning, I mean, some of this, it's just a little out there. We got smoke coming out of the back here. Some of you are like going to call 911. You're wondering if something was on fire. Uh, others of you, you're like, oh, I got to go get my sunglasses. These lights are killing me in here. 
things are different, right? But there's some things that never change, and it's God never changes, that we seek Him, that we desire Him, that we want Him, we seek Him with our whole heart. We saw Ryan up here, and I just wanted to give you a little, a little throwback right here, okay? So we had Steve Black up here. He was one of our, one, you know, he, look, he probably looked totally different when he graduated high school than what Ryan Alex looked, okay? Today's, right? Oh, there we go, right there. That, 1998, Steve Black. All right, a lot's changed since then, all right? And I, I know you guys want to see this. Pastor Mark graduated in 1976. I'm just guessing he may have looked a little bit like this when he graduated right there. I don't know. We doctored those just a bit, but we were actually able to get a hold of an actual picture of Pastor Mark as a high school student. Here it is. Oh, there you go. No wonder he was such a ladies' man. (laughs) The way we dress changes. Times change. The songs we sing in church changes. the, The style, the method, things change, but... What does not change is the fact that you have the power, you have the ability to affect those behind you with the pattern that you set. I will seek God in spite of what song we're singing in church today. I will seek Him and I will think about the word, God, when the fight calls, God, I know you are there. You think, man, the the lyrics of these songs that we sang today, I know there's some techno beats behind it. I know they don't sound exactly like the old hymns, but the words are rich that we're relying on him. We're allowing him to lead him where we can have trust within him without borders. We're singing about a, a real love that makes a real difference in our life. I mean, the words are still rich. We're singing about the same one true God and together, collectively, it can be so, it can be so much bigger. There's so much of a, a larger picture here than the particular songs that we're singing. But the moment that we can all have with God in this room together as family in relationship with one another, the moment that we can have with Him where we all look to Him Say, you know what? I've set apart this time on a Sunday morning at 1045 to have some moments with God. I've set apart a time that I want to seek Him. And it's like the the psalm writer. He said, I seek you with all of my heart. He said, "better better is one day with you, God. Better is one day, oh God, with you in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. If I could just have one moment, if I could just have one day, I mean, it's better than any conference table I could be at all week where they're giving me more power, position, and money on my job. It's better than any experience that I could, that I could take on a, on a vacation. It's better than any moment that I could have anywhere else. Just, just one moment, just one day. I mean, I'd rather be a gatekeeper in my father's house, in his presence, in the presence of God. Are there any of us that we just seek God so much with our whole mind, our whole body, our whole spirit, and an intimate relationship? Or are we just satisfied with coming to church once in a while and being a good person and learning a good lesson and hearing a good talk? And we get satisfied with a version of what God really has for us when we say that we, we want to know about God, but we don't actually want an intimate relationship with Him? What if there was a church? What if there was a rhythm that we could set in our homes, in our church, where we were people who were known because we sought God with all of our heart? We really believe, man, better is one day. If I, if I could just live, if I could just live today with God, 
If he would just be with me, if he would just go with me, if he would just empower me when I'm weak as he promised to make weak men strong, if he could just give me peace beyond all understanding when things aren't going right, if I could just tap in to the joy of my salvation when everything else is falling, falling apart, I know there's a bigger picture, I know there's a broader perspective because I have joy of my salvation because my Savior died for me and when I come to those kind of moments, it makes everything else in life different. It makes everything else in life better. The sheep, we know his voice. We're called out. We're set apart. And we follow him. In verse 9 and 10 of that same chapter, we find the the famous scripture that we often like to repeat. It's that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, the shepherd came, that he would give his sheep, his family, his community, his called out ones. He would give them a walk that is totally and completely full, lacking nothing. He came that he might give real life. Not a version of life where we think if we make more money, we'll be happy. If we have a bigger house, we'll be happy. If we have better status, we'll be happy. If I get more likes on Facebook than somebody else, I'll be happy. But a real life. Filled with His Spirit because we're sourced by our moments with Him. What if we could have such deep and intimate relationship with one another? That we could do what Hebrews talks about and we could motivate each other toward good works. Where's Ozzy? Right here. Raise your hand up. Friday night. Okay, stand up real quick just so everybody can see you. See, he's got his sunglasses on in here. He knows what's up. You can sit down. I just wanted you to see who he is. I'm not going to put him into the category of the older generation or the younger generation. I'll just let you decide, okay? But I want you to know... That he comes to every single fifth quarter, 9.30 to 11.30 on a Friday night, two or three hundred crazy middle school and high school students. Two days ago, two nights ago on Friday night, we had fifth quarter and we were getting ready to get set up and I was doing something on my computer at a table and he walks up to the table and he said, do you feel my prayers every morning? I said, I I don't know, but I'd probably feel it if you weren't. I didn't know you were praying for me, but now I know. That's how I make it through. That's how God empowers me because we're partnering together. You know what? It's a relationship that matters. We don't know each other well. I don't know where he lives. He does know where I live somehow. He always knows when I move. He said, how's your new house? He, I'm like, I didn't even know I told you I moved. You following me around or what? <laughs> well, we don't, we don't know all the ins and outs of each other's life. But there's a relationship there that matters because in that moment, in a Friday night, he was able to encourage me and he was able to partner with me in prayer and he motivated me toward good work tonight, good work that night. And we shared the gospel Friday with several hundred students. And I was sourced in a moment, and he doesn't even know this until right now, but I was sourced in a moment that night when I could have been discouraged by seeing the culture, by seeing the next generation in this room and the things they were talking about and the words they were using and all of that. 
but yet God used a relationship that was meaningful. God used my fellow brother in Christ to encourage me, to infuse courage that you can proclaim the gospel with boldness. You can tell these students there's a better life that God has for you, one that's rich and one that's full, where you don't have to escape reality, but you can actually live in the reality that you're in. You don't need to get high. You don't need to go to a substance. You don't need to get drunk and escape your present reality. You can actually live in reality and love it because of Jesus. He encouraged me. It's the relationships. It's the relationships that we keep around us that enable us to live the right life. We tell students all the time, it's impossible to live the right life with the wrong people. It's not possible. You can't live the right life with the wrong people. And I think about so many people in my life from the time I was young that have invested their time into me, that have invested their energy into me, that have taught me the word. I still remember to this day Sunday school teachers. And you know where some of my mentors came from? They were friends of my parents. Because of the company that they kept, because of the solid relationships that they kept with people, those people then invested into me. There was a guy at fifth quarter and he volunteers at the cleft, which is a, an outreach in Xenia that uh, Xenia Nazarene partners with. And we have two Friday nights a month. We have several hundred students. We meet in the community center. But there's a guy who volunteers every single week. And we were asking him uh, recently, why do you do what you do? And he said, because someone invested into my life when I was young. You know who that someone was? It was my dad when he was a youth pastor. This guy now, generations down the line, because of the pattern that was repeated for him, because of the pattern that was shown to him, he is now taking what he has because of the investment that was made into him by someone in the older generation. He is now giving that back and he's walking his faith out. He's influencing the next generation. When I think about the walk, I think about seeking God. Seeking God in all of our ways. Proverbs 3, 6, some of you have heard it. Acknowledge Him in all your ways. This version says, seek His will in all you do. You know what all means? In the original, it means all. It means all. In all we do. Everything that we do. Every step we take, we want to follow God. God, what would you have me do? Would you have me take this job? Who can I encourage today? As I'm walking one step at a time, it may not be the big, grand moments that we look back and I remember that one moment, but it's consistent faithfulness to God. It's consistent faithfulness to do what He's asked us to do, to follow Him. Jane Drake was in Bible study with uh, my wife a couple of weeks ago, and she was sharing a story about walking out her faith. And they had young kids in their home, and the church was in a building program right here. This church, Zena Nazarene, they were in a building program. And uh, they had just decided that they were going to commit double tithe. For those of you that don't know what tithe is, it's 10% of your income. This means that they dedicated 20% of their income to build and invest into the kingdom of God. They were establishing a repeated pattern, a pattern that's worth being repeated by the kids in their home to see. The same week that they decided to start giving 20% instead of 10%, her husband was laid off work. And she said, I can look back. I can look back. And I, I see that we lost, we lost so much of our income, but yet we still decided that we were going to give everything that we could possibly give. And God showed up faithful. Young people need to hear stories like that. 
They need to hear about the faithfulness that God has shown to you, that He's given to you as you've walked with Him, as you followed Him. The rhythm of life, when I say life, I mean rich, full, abundant life. You may be asking, what is this? Okay, this is great teaching. This is great. How does this really affect this? What's in it for me? And you know what's cool is there really doesn't have to be anything in it for me. I mean, God is good all by himself. I mean, just because of who he is, he's worth me giving everything that I have to. But yet he loves us enough that there is always a benefit in for us. Because for those who love him and seek him and are called according to his will and follow in his footsteps, it says that he makes everything good. He makes everything good for those who follow him. And for those who follow the repeated pattern, pattern that we saw in John 10, we know his voice. We seek God with all of our heart. Better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. For those who have relationships that are worth investing into, relationships that keep us strong, relationships that motivate us to do good work, relationships where we encourage one another. For those who do that and for those who walk it out and say, you know what, I will follow Jesus. I will follow him at all costs. It will cost you something, but it will gain you everything because he says when you follow the repeated pattern, when you follow the rhythm, when you incorporate this rhythm into your life, you you hear my voice. You invest into the relationships that matter most. Your body, your church body. And you follow me. Here's what's in it for you. Life to the full. Rich and abundant life. Deuteronomy says this. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all your strength. That's everything within you. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. And this children, let me tell you, this is not just childbearing. Some of you in here, you're single. Some of you, maybe your children are out of the house now and you're older and you don't have as much influence with them as you used to. This is talking about children, not just in your home, but children in the family of God. Spiritual children. As sons and daughters of the living God. Not just biological. So don't check out if you don't have kids here, Carrie. Don't check out. We can be producers of spiritual sons and daughters. We can be pattern setters for spiritual sons and daughters. We can be rhythm setters for our spiritual sons and daughters. And here's what it says. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols around your hands and bind them on your forehead. I mean, let them be seen for everyone. Do it all the time. If you're sitting, if you're standing, if you're coming, if you're going. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. You see the rhythm? It's kind of an all the time thing, right? <laughs> know his voice. Seek Him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Seek Him. Desire for Him. Long for Him. As if you're thirsty in a dry desert, Psalm says. David said, I I hunger and thirst for your righteousness. 
I hunger and thirst. I will make a decision today. And I challenge you to make a decision today that I will be someone who has moments with God. I will be someone where the pattern of my life becomes known as that's a person who seeks God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. I will be the mom or dad where my kids can look back and say, my mom or dad, they sought God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They weren't seeking other things out here. Those things are important. Those things are okay. But I promise you, your children's education will never save the soul of someone else. Your kids' education will never even save their own soul. The participation on a sports team and being the best on their team, the best athlete there is, it will never save their soul. And we have students that are growing up who haven't learned to have moments with God. The pattern of their life did not consist of having moments and intentional time with God where He can lead them. We have students that are being raised in Christian homes, good Christian homes, but the pattern of their life, I've seen it over and over and over. The pattern of their life replicates the pattern that we can see in their parents so many times. And in good, Christian, well-meaning homes, our highest goal for our kids have been to be raising well-rounded, respectable, successful children. I would much rather raise a Christ-centered, world-changing, Jesus-follower I would rather give my kids something worth not just living for, but something worth dying for. The soccer coach will not be there in the end. The A on the refrigerator at home will not be there in the end. But the Word of the Lord stands forever. The message of His great works and His wondrous ways, that is what will stand forever through time. Let's give our next generation a pattern worth repeating. Let's give our students a pattern, a rhythm. Let's set the rhythm. Let's set the tone. Let's give them a rhythm worth repeating. We asked some of our students in the last couple weeks to talk about someone in their life who has influenced them. Someone whose rhythm and pattern of way of living has made a difference in their life. And one of our students, Nate Craft, he was up here leading the game earlier. He put this video together and shot all the video. He did an amazing job. Isn't it great to see all of our students involved and engaged in ministry? All these students up here who participated today. I couldn't be more proud. Some of you are here. Some of you are in different places. I couldn't be more proud of you, UIC students. I'm so excited to see how God is using you. And so church, I want you to see uh, on these videos the effects of a repeated pattern that influenced the life of another. Nate Christman, because he always pushes me to do stuff even when I don't always feel like it. And... I would definitely say that Tyler is like a really big role model to me and he's a big supporter of mine. Mindy made an impact on my life because she's the one who invited me to our youth group in the first place and she didn't give me an answer to say no, so she's pretty much the reason I'm here. Nate has been Mindy and Jill. They've always made me laugh and smile and just gave me great joy. 
Pastor Nate and Casey made it a big impact on me because they believed in me when I couldn't believe in myself. Betsy made a Im big impact on my life because the first day that I came, she was completely nice and she was always down to talk. Wait, should I think about what I say first? Jill has inspired me because she's always preppy and proud of everything that anyone does. And she's just aged like a fine cheese. Tyler, you're great. <laughs> she just showed me the way and she shows me to be strong in everything that I do. Let me do it again. Okay, uh, two leaders that impacted me the most are probably Betsy and Carrie because when I first came here, they were the two that were really open to me and treated me like I was fantastic. Greg, Trisha Carey, she goes on all of our trips with us and she prepares all of our food and keeps the house going whenever we're all together and she does a lot behind the scenes that nobody really sees. She comes to all of our events and she works our cafe and it's been really cool to see someone who has grandkids in our youth group coming and getting involved. Hi, I'm Jordan and I am so thankful for Jill Basler. Jill has been like a second mom to me. Without Jill being a leader in this group, I don't think it would be the same. She's one of the greatest people I've ever met, and I would not be here today doing what I'm doing and just being the person that I am without her. So thanks, Jill. Mindy Christman. She has always encouraged me when I've doubted myself. The idea of going off to college always terrified me, but she knew I could do it, and I am, and I'm so thankful for her. Nate Chrisman. Nate has always shown me how important it is to lead by example in everything that you do in ministry. I would also like to thank the church for the investment that they've made in me to go to school, and without you guys, I wouldn't be able to be here, so I'd like to thank you. I grew up attending Xenia Naz. One of my most influential leaders in my life was Covey Adams. He valued spending time with students. One of my best memories was when Cubby took me to get a root beer float when I was in eighth grade. I remember that he spent time listening to me. I felt very valued and loved. Nate Chrisman. Nate Chrisman has taught me to be a man of my word. Nate always does what he says he's going to do and that's something I want to find in myself. Hello, my name is Brandon Stewart and I just want to tell you about Pastor Dennis and Big Don and what great influences they were able to have in my life at a young age. I remember being in high school soccer and having a game on a Saturday night and having the game, we won one to nothing. We all went our separate ways after the game and getting a call very early the next morning on Sunday morning for us to all report to the school that we needed to be at the school as soon as possible. I remember our team and our coaches all gathered together in the cafeteria there at Xenia High School and the administration telling us that one of our coaches had lost his life in a car accident the night before going home from our game. I just remember how broken and hurt we all were and we decided to go to Xenia Nazarene Church that morning. We sat there at the second or third row there right in the middle and I remember Pastor Dennis just praying over us and spending time with us and speaking into our lives and just so impactful and not, it didn't stop there. Weeks and months later, he still followed through with us, checking in with us, making sure that we were good. And uh, I'm just so grateful for him. And then Pastor Don, Big Don, I remember showing up with my buddies to come to a fifth quarter. 
and Pastor Don just taking time away from all the hundreds of kids that were there just to come talk to me, didn't know me, never met me before, and just spending time with me, and then randomly shows up at one of my soccer games the following week. I'm just so grateful for these two men and the impacts they've had in my life at a very young age. And now I'm able to do the same thing. As assistant director at the Clef, God has given me an awesome opportunity to make these same connections with students and spend time with students. I'm just so honored and humbled to have that opportunity. Thank you. Not only was the pattern that this church and so many in this church have set uh, affected individuals, but now those individuals are now repeating the pattern and changing more lives.